morning. It's good to be here this morning. I don't know if some of you responded buenos dias. And in Cuba, they don't say the S's. They say buenos dias. So if you go there, they're going to know that you're not Cuban if you say buenos dias. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to make sure I know. All right. Doesn't this make you want to not be here right now? <laughs> you have the opportunity to do the same thing that I did. Uh, if you're a student full-time in seminary doing your master's, uh, you can go. You should have received an email last week, so this is my little plug for it. Uh, so it kind of worked out that I was speaking on it this week, so you can kind of see what it's all about and think about uh, going um, on this Praxis Cuba trip. This is will be their um, second year, third year going to Cuba. The, um, two years ago, Matt Wilton went, and then I went last year. And so CBM is partnering with Feedback, who I'll talk about in a minute, about, um, for a five-year uh, partnership to do, take the Praxis teams to Cuba. Uh, which is really great because um, it gives both Feedback and CBM more experience with partnering through Integral Mission and through for students uh, to be able to go to the same, well, you don't go every year, but um, for just for them to partner together and do that long term instead of going to a different country every year. So this is the team that I went with. And uh, as you can see, it's a beautiful view of Matanzas City. This is a view from the Evangelical Seminary, which I'll show you later. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind going to that seminary and sitting at that view doing homework every day. And uh, we were actually, um, this way, we're facing the school in the steps. And Mikel, who's in the red and white shirt, uh, that's where he and his, at the time, girlfriend would sit a lot. And they met at seminary, and now they're husband and wife. So it was there that he met his wife. Um, we, there's students that go from theological seminaries all across the country. So our team uh, consists of students from Cary Theological Seminary, from McMaster, and through the Acadia campus in Montreal. And our professor is Lois Mitchell. Some of you might know her. She's right in the middle. And to your right is Sarah McPhail. She was the TA. And it's a scholarship through CBM. And um, they partner with Feedback. And it's in May. It's about three weeks. And some people think, how can I take three weeks off? I need to get a job and go. I thought that too, but God worked it out, and he will work it out for you as well. It turned out that um, I was praying about where to go for a job, and uh, it turned out that the church that I went to for the summer, they couldn't have me until middle of uh, June, and I wasn't going to be available until the middle of June. And so God will work it out for you if you are considering about going on this trip. So study tour versus mission trip. This was not and is not a missions trip. The only thing missiony <laughs> that I felt like we did is um, we helped clean up the camp one morning and I had the opportunity to preach, which I will share in a little bit. It was more of a study tour. We went to learn about the Cuban reality. We went to learn about what CBM is doing in Cuba and to learn more about integral mission. And this all happens in an active setting within a country where partnership between the mission organization and the local church happens. 
CBM in Cuba. This is taken from their website, and so CBM has been working in Cuba since 2010 through the partnership with FEBAC, which is the Fraternity of Baptist Churches of Cuba. They support holistic church-based ministries. Some of the projects include microcredit projects to support vulnerable families who want to start or develop a small business and leadership training on an integral mission. A little bit about integral mission, and all of this can be found in this little primer that CBM put out. It's with one of our required uh, textbooks. Um, and uh, it's a really good uh, book to learn more about it and a little bit about the history. Integral mission is an old term, actually. We sometimes might think it's new because it's popped up again. And it was first coined in the 1970s by the Latin American Theological Fraternity. It describes an understanding of Christian mission that embraces both the proclamation and the demonstration of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's concerned with all the basic needs of people, including God's grace, loving relationships, shelter, clothing, mental and physical health, and the sense of human dignity. It comes to word versus deed. Human life in its very essence, according to scripture, is body, soul, and spirit. The mission of God cannot be reduced to so-called spiritual needs, such as forgiveness, or to physical needs, such as adequate nutrition. All aspects need to be involved. Mission is about all of human life. Renee Padilla of Foundation Kairos in Buenos Aires, Argentina, says, that this is about, says this about integral mission. Mission may or may not include crossing geographical boundaries, but it will, also meet, will always mean crossing the boundaries of faith and non-faith, private and public, word and deed. When the church is committing, committed to integral mission and to communicating the gospel and everything it is, does and says, it understands that its goal is not to become large numerically, nor to be rich materially, nor powerful politically. Its purpose is to incarnate the values of the kingdom of God and to witness to the love and justice revealed in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit for the transformation of human life in all its dimensions, both on the individual and community level. A lot has been said here, but it's a reminder of how we can do missions, whether locally or globally. Wherever we are, we are a witness and missionaries. A verse that I think kind of sums this all up in how to do this is Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So keeping all of this in mind, we went to learn about feedback, the Cuban reality, and integral mission. So I'm going to come over here a little bit and uh, take you through some slides. I have a lot of pictures and slides and a lot of stories, and we could be here for hours. Uh, so I'm going to, whoops, I'm going backwards, getting used to this. I'm going to try to pick and choose my stories, and if you see a picture that you're like, hmm, I'd like to know more about that, you can ask me about it at lunchtime. Or if you want to know more, I can't fit everything in that I learned. 
So this is the entrance to the camp. So Feedback, they own this camp. And uh, it was um, a camp where people from all over can come. So Feedback, they were started in 1989 from three churches. We were able to visit two of them, the Jordan Church and the Ebenezer Church. And so they started off with three churches. They came out of the Southern Baptist Convention in Cuba. And today they have 42 churches altogether. They were the first to ordain women in Cuba. And they uh, are strong with having relationship with other churches as it's important for uh, social responsibility. And they're big on um, the ecumenical... Uh, idea and so they would say that they're ecumenical evangelicals and more than 80% of feedback churches are in houses and so they're unable to grow numerically because they're not allowed to build a church building in Cuba so they do have struggles as they want to move out of the houses and into other buildings The camp is uh, located in Guanabacoa, Cuba, and this is just outside of Havana. So it's outside of the city, and but in the country. And so it's a good location. It's close to beaches, and it's close to the main area. So this is the camp. What you see, all of it's not there. And I'll probably spend a couple of minutes on this slide and go through some of the others faster. Does this have a pointer? All right, so this right here, this building is there, and here is the dining hall and kitchen, and above is the place where people, the grounds people who take care of the uh, camp stay. This is the dormitory. Uh, there, I can't remember how many it sleeps, but quite a few, and so they have bunk beds and things like that. Right here, there was a piece built on, and that's the feedback offices are here at the camp. Um, Presently, this area here, there's a classroom. They want to put in uh, like rabbits and things like that so that they have a sustainable project that can help them um, to go off the funds of people from the U.S. and Canada to help sustain this camp. This here you see is not there. It is for a pool. And a lot of the things on here that are not here yet, they have to submit to the government to uh, be able to build. And they have to call it a pool because they cannot say that it's for a baptismal tank, which is what the real reason is, um, so that they can baptize people. This here is the chapel, which is not there yet. Also, they have to call it a convention center so that um, they have to use, they have to watch their language that they use when they're submitting these um, reports so that they can build. This here will be a vegetable stand. They hope we helped work on these gardens when we were there, and they hope to uh, be able to grow vegetables that will uh, feed the people when they come to the camp and the extras that they would sell or give to the community to have a little bit more money to be sustainable. There's three wells on the property, and also the... Um, what is this called? Yes. <laughs> um, so that will power the water. And uh, you saw in the driveway, you would have saw one of the wells there. And these here, these lines, we found this interesting. They're actually old trenches. 
and they're not allowed to remove them. They have to stay there. They're covered over, but you could climb through them. One couple of us were going to go, but then didn't end up climbing through. And so um, that's just part of their history that they have to keep there. They want to build sports uh, fields here so that it could be usable for when uh, youth, when they have youth camps and all of that, and also uh, provide something for the community. So this is what the dream of the camp that they would love it to be. And so you could be praying for them so that one day they're sustainable on their own, that they don't have to rely on outside sources. So that's why they want to have the gardens and those kind of things. And also just pray as they minister to people that come. People from other denominations come to use the camp to stay overnight. And then people who are on mission uh, trips and things like that the, um, go and they stay there. And that's part of how they uh, will become sustainable as well as people come and use their camp. So this is just some pictures from the camp. I do have to say the bottom one, we were having breakfast and they wanted to make sure we had our protein. So we had hot dogs for breakfast. So uh, we were all pretty excited about that, even though I don't really like hot dogs. This is their classroom. So this is outside we, when we had classes together with other seminary students or when we met with the feedback uh, leaders to talk about um, their organization, then this is where we met. This is just some pictures of the camp inside where we stayed and JC learning how to do laundry the proper Cuban way. Some of the food. Uh, this is Jordan Baptist Church. It was one of the founders of Feedback. So uh, we went there our first Sunday. It was Mother's Day, and the children do exactly what we do. They made paintings for their mothers, but the kids. And the bottom right, of course, I had to stick that picture in. It's of a cake. And years ago, you were only allowed to have one cake a year. And uh, that has been lifted, and so you can get cakes whenever you want. But they're very expensive, so you still don't get them very often. It was very good. So we went to two seminaries, dos seminarios. And the top one is the Catholic Seminary, and the bottom is the Evangelical Seminary that where you saw the picture of the team at. You can see it's very different. Um, the Catholic Seminary, though, is only not very old. It's only a few years old in that location, and they have a lot of resources from outside in the United States to make a very nice facility. So here's some of the pictures of it. Um, it felt very proper and... Um, even though it was hot there, it kind of felt cold as we walked through. And interesting, it was very hard for them, for the uh, Feedback Brothers, to be able to get us in to have a tour of the Catholic Seminary. And for those that went with us, like Mikkel and the other leaders, it was their first time there. Uh, because of us, they had the opportunity to be able to go and see the facilities. And the Padres that were there were so excited that we're there and said, oh, it's great that we can, you know, partner together and build a relationship. And the Cubans after were saying, what are you talking about? We had to fight to get in here. <laughs> so it was almost them, the Padres, kind of showing face for us Canadians. So this is the view of Matanzas at the Seminario Evangelico de Teologia. Anyway, <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> So this is some of the area of the school. It was very beautiful. Um, and at this school, in a lot of the 
larger churches, they have those living waters for the world of Cuba, and it's fresh water that um, the community can come and get fresh water, and it's also used for the school. This The school, they had lots of gardens around that they would use to um, self-sustain for their food and share with the community. I, had, I stayed in Havana for five days, so the yellow is the church, Ebenezer Church, and the blue is the Martin Luther King Center. And the Martin Luther King Center was uh, founded out of the church, but is now sustainable so that they don't have to rely on the church, and the church doesn't have to provide funding for um, the center. And it was used for training uh, ministers, but it's also for helping those in the community. They have a lot of community projects that they do. And every day during the week at lunchtime, they have a lunch for all the employees and for people in the community to come to. These are just some pictures. Uh, went to the National Ballet, so that's the top left, just taught them about selfies. And um, the bottom one is a seniors group that meets and they do ballet uh, exercises and the teacher teaches them a little bit of ballet. They do have their Bible study as well. And um, so every once in a while they will perform in the church. So I just thought that was such a neat thing. It keeps them going. Um, they have to make sure that they're in phys good physical health in order to come. And it's quite popular and it's quite full. So the only way you can get in is if someone moves or someone dies, unfortunately. So I stayed at the youth pastor's house, and his name is hard for me to pronounce, so I just called him Ida. So this is just a little bit about uh, what his house looked like. He gets paid 18 CUC a month, which is equivalent to very close to our Canadian dollar. And so that is not much when um, a bag of coffee can well, a large bag they wouldn't buy would cost about 12 CUC a month. Or 12 CUC, sorry. So it's just more pictures of the Ebenezer Church. And they all have different groups for their Sunday school classes. So I had the opportunity to preach. I'm just going to check out the time. I didn't hit start, so I have no idea. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um... So I had an opportunity to preach. This was probably the most significant part of my trip, was my homestay and preaching, and it was probably the most challenging part. So I'm learning all about preaching here at ABC, and I hadn't preached up to, for those of you who've been here, it was last spring was the first time I preached after taking the course with Dr. Morey. So I go to Cuba, no, I guess it was a year ago, in when I, it only had been a year when I was there. And I met with Ida uh, in the morning and to say what we're going to do for the week. And at the end, my translator, Renier, which is in the white shirt, um, he said, would you like to preach? And I said, um, okay, this was Thursday to preach on Sunday. So I said, all right, I will. And uh, he said, okay, we're going to meet this afternoon to talk about the service. And I was like, okay, great. So we get in there about 2 o'clock. Anita comes and says in his very, very limited English, trying to figure out what he was saying, they follow a lectionary. Here's the three passages. Pick one of them or preach from all of them, whatever you'd like to do. I just get finished. Sorry. 
just get finished reading them through, and he comes in, and through Rainier, he says, which one are you going to preach from? It's like, I just finished reading these. <laughs> so as we talk about what we're going to do, it's very um, community-based for the what's happening on Sunday. So there was a team that were together, and we were planning. And at the end, or I guess a couple minutes into it, he said, okay, well, let's talk about the passages. And then I said, okay, I think I'm going to preach on... on uh, the passage in First Peter, which is not the one that was read. Um, it was the other one about Jesus being a cornerstone. And uh, he said, okay, so this is Thursday. It was raining. They don't do anything when it rains, kind of like when it snows here. We don't do anything. So we went back to his house, and I sat on the bed, and I just was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I have no resources except for my phone that has the Bible app that has like, you know, ten translations on it. That's it. No commentaries, because they're all in Spanish, <laughs> and nothing else to use. Oh, my heart was racing. <laughs> By Thursday night, I had worked myself up, and I had another translator that stayed with us at the house, Yvette. And I said, Yvette, is it too late to change my mind? <laughs> and so she talked me through it and uh, calmed me down, and I went and had a good night's sleep, and the next day just kind of started over. And she did say when I had first said, she said, I'm not going to translate this to Ida. So it was probably a good thing that she didn't do that. <laughs> so it was fine. I worked on it uh, the next day and on Saturday, and it all worked out. And um, it was challenging, though, because uh, just having to read through the different translations several, several times, read through all of 1 Peter several times, and that's where I um, came across the 1 Peter passage that was read this morning. So, uh, that's us preaching. Rainier is a part-time seminary student. He also works at the MLK Center, um, and he does, when delegates come from the U.S. and groups come from the U.S., he works for them and plans out their whole time because they can't come on vacation, so um, he takes them around and does that. So he's very busy, and this was the first time that he translated in front of a group that large, and uh, so I said, we're doing it together. <laughs> it's amazing how God worked it out. On Saturday morning, we went to the church to finish up um, the sermon, and the worship team was practicing, and the song they played I recognized, and uh, I can't remember what it was now, I have no idea what about it, but that's not the point. It was just what I needed at that moment to hear them singing that song that I recognized to say, okay, God, I know you're in this with me, and this is you, and you're just going to do what you need to do. And um, that was uh, a good moment for me just to kind of calm and uh, see how God worked in that. On the Sunday afternoon, once a month, the young adults, which they call themselves the youth, they uh, get together at Ida's house for spaghetti dinner and games and that kind of thing. They were actually um, doing a talking of get, doing an evaluation of their young adults. Um, so I took some things with me: goldfish. Kids love those goldfish everywhere, and some uh, of the ganong's jujubes, which didn't last very long. And they were planning for a trip to the highest mountain peak in Cuba. So this is a picture that they went in August. So they had emailed that to me. And uh, so I just stuck that up there because I thought it was neat. I would have liked to go on that trip, but, you know, that's not going to happen. 
So these are just some pictures of uh, my friends that I met there, who most of them I still stay in contact with. Oh, and um, dancing is a big thing in Cuba, so I had a couple of lessons in dancing. So we had a homestay debrief. Uh, we went at, right after our homestay. We went to a hotel, to a hotel Atlantico, and um, it was quite interesting going from the state homestay to the hotel. It was not one of the nice resorts that you would typically go to, and so it was very interesting going and seeing. There's a lot of older men there, and so sex tourism is very big there and so I guess it wasn't as bad the year that Matt Wilton went. Uh, they stayed in a hotel that was just a little bit further down the beach um, that it was very evident it was happening. This was a little bit um, a little more discreet but it was still there and so it was a shock to our system coming from a home stay staying with either a seminary student or a pastor and being in their community to a place where there is none of that and where um, sex tourism is happening. And uh, so it was interesting to go there um, and to have that different experience. A lot of us had never gone to Cuba before, and so it was good for us to have that. Uh, it was a good time. We were there for two days, just a time uh, to refresh and to kind of reboot. Um, the bottom corner is us sitting around debriefing and uh, for five hours in the sun. So if you want to do classroom outside in the hot sun, this is the place to go. When we got back to the camp, we had a student exchange. So the seminary students uh, from the feedback there, uh, came, and we had two days of classes. And so we had a, two of the sessions were taught by um, our professor and TA, and then two of the sessions were taught by someone from feedback, so um, we had one session on the feedback polity, which was good. And um, so these are just some pictures from that. This year, um, Ray Mellis actually was the one who stayed, who Matt uh, was with every day when she was there. So we're actually writing a note to Matt in that picture. We had Canadian night and then we had Cuban night, so we made supper for them. That's a humongous shepherd's pie in the middle. And uh, so it was fun to share some of our culture with them. We taught them the cups. And this is our Cuban night. They did a lot of singing. They had a song or um, that was from either the town they were from or about the industry that they were from or the artist was from that place, which was really neat. And we did lots of more dancing that night too. So these are just some of the um, seminary students saying goodbye. And Old Havana, it's not spelt wrong, that's how they, um, they spell it and pronounce it Havana. Helado, uh, we were really craving ice cream, so we all got some and that's how it's served. So these are just some pictures from Old Havana. The top picture of the house is actually either a high school or a junior high uh, school. And the bottom is the National Hotel of Cuba. A lot of famous people go and stay there. But right in front, we um, went to the Cuban Missile Museum, which is really interesting. A lot of old 
buildings, of course. And these are two uh, famous leaders, men in Cuba. The first they call the father of Cuba. And um, he, sometimes with the translation, I didn't get everything. But the story, the short story, is that um, during a time of war, uh, he was fighting for the Cubans, and his son was kidnapped, and they said, stop fighting for them, or we will kill your son. And um, he said, no, I cannot do that. Although he, I'm his father, the Cubans are my father, my, although he's my child, the Cubans are my children. And so that's why he's called the father of Cuba, because he uh, fought for the Cubans. And that's Jose Marti, who's also influential on the other side. You see Jose Marti's statue everywhere. And these are just some other views. I have a picture of coffee because a lot of the times they're, uh, it's hard for them to find things. So um, toilet paper is hard to come by sometimes. Uh, Lois, she went to for her homestay and they had to get toilet paper. And they probably looked for in five or six stores and didn't find any, and had to go to the in-laws and borrow their toilet paper, a roll from them that they only had one. And Lois is pretty sure that no one else in the household used it so that she would have toilet paper. Uh, Mikel, for his little two-year-old daughter, she, he needed some type of formula because she wasn't eating and he couldn't find it. And it even makes it harder that he doesn't have a vehicle, so it takes longer for him to go search for it because he has to take the bus or other transportation. So I wanted coffee, and I was not allowed to bring home a certain type of coffee that's not so great. I think it's the tourist coffee. And uh, so we searched and searched and searched. Went to probably three or four different stores and, and couldn't find what I was looking for because only that um, kind was there. So in the airport, uh, I found it before we went through, but this is in the airport uh, duty-free shop as you go through, so there was lots of coffee there. Um, so I got to experience just a tiny, tiny bit of what the Cubans go through um, when they're trying to find things. This is a picture of the um, Christ of Cuba. And this is where um, that verse comes in. morning. The end of all things is near. Therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Over, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Seeing the people of Cuba and experience such a tiny fraction of their reality. The Christians there, um, those in the feedback denomination, I feel they live out these, this, these words. Um, 
maybe not always, but uh, that just resonated with me while I was there. And um, it makes me think and wonder and uh, how we're following this in our own lives back here in Canada and in our own churches. And that if all of us as believers um, did this more, it would be such a different place that we live in, even among our churches. And uh, so I encourage you to think of these words and um, in your own life and to, to follow them. And I, I didn't mention it earlier, but Raul Suarez, he was the pastor for 46 years at the Ebenezer Baptist Church. He now runs the, uh, the MLK Center, the Martin Luther King Center. And I had the opportunity to sit down with him and interview him. And he has met and dined with Fidel Castro, which I found very interesting. And I asked him, I said, what was it like? Because we have a view of him from what we hear from the states and from the media and the news. And um, so he has had several times to build, to meet him and to dine with him and with other pastors and to build a relationship with him. And when his wife died, well, one time Fidel sent him a, a birthday gift because of that relationship. And then when Raul's wife died, um, someone from Fidel's office called and said that he would be taken care of and a doctor would be provided for him and his family for the rest of his life. And so I was impressed with what he said, what Raul said when talking about Fidel. He said, I can't forget to feel respect, to admire, and to care for him because he is a human being. Pray for him. He deserves to have love from God, and God's love comes through us. So here's a man who could have chosen not to go and meet Fidel, who is from a communist party who has, um, you know, there's good things and bad things that I've learned about it, like they have free education, free health care, and those kind of things, but um, we have such a view of, of Fidel. So here's a man who decided that he would care for him and love for him anyway. And that just really struck me, because are there people in my life that, I'm not caring for or loving just because they're different from me, they're um, people I just normally wouldn't associate with. And so that really spoke to me. Okay. Um, so out of this trip, um, I'm learning Spanish down the hill because uh, God said while I was there, learn Spanish. I'm not exactly sure why, but I'm following that call. And I don't know where that's going to lead, whether 
that's part of my ministry in the future. Um, I would love to go back to Cuba. I'd go back tomorrow if I could. And, uh, or um, just being able to continue those relationships with um, my Cuban friends that I have and have, in, through learning Spanish, encouraged them to learn English, which is uh, really great. Um, so if you could pray for me to continue to seek out why I need to learn this language and um, where God's calling me in this, um, that would be great. And if you would like to know more about Cuba, then just let me know. And really consider the Praxis experience. Uh, it is a scholarship, so it's free. And... Um, even if you're not thinking about doing missions, just to go to another country so that you can uh, be able to come back and share the Cuban reality with those in your church and those in your